it's become more expensive to be overstocked is the point. If silage was available at 10 cent a kilo or 12 cent a kilo cash cost, the overstocking issue is not as big a deal for the economics of the farm, if you get me. So really what we're saying now is the hole is there, but it's a more expensive hole to fill it. That's when the, the economics of, high, of being overstocked become quite tricky, actually. The feed cost deficits are now you know, much more expensive to fill than they used to be. Hello, I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. After a decade of expansion in the Irish dairy sector, Joe Patton and Richie O'Brien join us to reflect on the progress made, but notwithstanding concerns around areas such as the economics of overstocking milking platforms. But first, Richie takes us back to the time of pre-quota abolition. Even going back further, I was recently at a conference for the 50 years of our membership of the uh, EEC at the time in EU. And like, if you look at the change and, and you know, what has happened within a 50 year period, uh, I think the one figure that stood out to me from that conference was where milk yield uh, has increased by 60% over that time. And, you know, and that's the, the, the hard work and research and advisory that has gone on in that period that, that, that has brought that. And there's always been change. We've had, you know, over that period, we've had oil crisis, we've had foot and mouth, we've had BSE, and there's always been challenges there. And if you go back, I suppose, you asked there about the last 10 years, when I started uh, on the Monitor Farm program in 2011, it was, you know, the whole talk then was about the abolition of quotas and where farmers had been hindered. And farmers of my age, when they, when they started farming, were hindered by quotas and very good operators. And they, this was really a great opportunity for farmers to to expand. And I, the part of the Chagas Glambia joint program at the time, now Tierlon, was we had 11 monitor farmers and prepare, preparing those farmers for the abolition of quotas. So that was 2011, 2015, that period. And like the messages back then and the messages today haven't changed. And if I look at, you know, driving the genetics, you know, increasing the EBI of the herds, increasing the EBI of the younger stock, that we had better bred stock uh, coming into our herds post-quota to produce more milk. The whole story about grass, producing more grass and soil fertility, getting the soil fertility right, that we could produce more grass from our own resources. And the whole area then of financial analysis of farms, you know, as we were getting into this expansion phase, you know, with Glombia at the time or Tierlon now, we would have run a lot of financial courses, how we were going to prepare financially for this big expansion. So those big things, and if I look over the 10 years, the big one that always stands out to me is that improvement of genetics that stood to farmers in that time and will stand to farmers in the future. You know, we, you know that, that milk yield not coming from genetics, calving date, rather than feed and and the big feed one like 30 percent comes from the feed 70 percent comes from genetics and calving date so you know and the feed really is the grass-based system and that's still going to be out there for 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 the future and if we think about it uh to you joe you know since 2011 i guess at that point we were talking about food harvest 2020 and it was this really big ambitious uh target in terms of um, you know, growing our, our milk production. And 
it was achieved, um, you know, in a lot of situations on farm through efficient practices and I guess some some inefficiencies. I mean, talk through that in terms of what you've observed. Like Richie was saying there, I mean, the, the, tra- the trajectory of this, it's important to take a, I suppose, take a long term view on it. I mean, we had a we had a a huge uptick in, in and a huge upturn in milk production, obviously since sort of 13, 14, as people ramped up and 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 pushed through the the, the date of abolition of quota. And I suppose that was highly it was highly planned for, it was highly predicted. And even that you could say that the 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 um the reality exceeded what the prediction or the expectation was really in terms of in terms of output. Uh, and for the most part, I think it's it's fair to say that for the most part, that has been beneficial for um for for the for the for the, in, for the industry as a whole in terms of, you know, we use the word sustainability a lot, but the, the economic sustainability and social sustainability of dairy farms now is um in a better place than it was, and that's you know with the narrative that's there now maybe and the way people talk of late about the, the challenges that are coming to dairy farms, we could easily forget that you know that. You know the income and the the capacity and the technology and maybe labour efficiency on farms has actually uh, improved, not on every farm, um, certainly not on every farm. And some farms have been possibly might feel that they've been left behind in terms of some of this, and some farms have really benefited from it. But maybe back to Richie's point, like I mean, the the things that were said at the time that would make a difference. And funny, I happen to be just looking back on. Some of the stuff that we did recently from the from from the Lakeland Joint Program back in 2012-13, it was about you know grass genetics, getting the infrastructure right, and and keeping an eye on borrowings and debt. You know the people that follow that th- those ideas, they've come out the right side of it, I would say uh, for sure. But look at the it hasn't been, and I think maybe an important point on this, it hasn't been the plan was never to say that Ireland has to grow its milk production for the sake of growing its milk production it was to grow its milk production in a, in a in a profitable way that could be sustained and you know we've been making this point a bit lately i suppose too on other, on other platforms that you know we we have had a situation on some farms um where our advice has been that the additional 300,000 liters or 200,000 liters or whatever that was being planned wasn't likely to reduce to increase the the profit and the sustainability of the farm. And in cases like that, you know, the advice has been to 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 step back and temper your 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 ambitions until you can get everything right. So of course, you know, increase has has you know increased milk production has improved the situation on a lot of farms, but not in it, not in and of itself, I suppose, is the point. It had to come in the right way. And the right way is the things that we've discussed, like the grass, the genetics, uh, and getting the labour and the, the infrastructure right. Just to add to that, like, you know, we always talked about in, in with monitor farms and, and all the farm walks we've had in the last 10 years is efficiency before scale. Mm. And and that's still that's still the banter I would use at, at you know talking to farmers is is you know that, that it's efficiency before scale and I I was just looking at a simple figure we've used that I've used uh, for uh, over the years as five you know if, if a cow was getting eight hundred kilos a meal you need to grow five and a half tons per cow you know and with the banding and all that you know that that figure now has changed the overall level that you need to grow so that was around 15 ton so but if you look at the banding figure of 220 and at the middle band that's around 13 tons and 
I suppose the challenge out there is on a whole farm for every acre, every hectare you have on your farm, are you growing 13 tonnes? And I doubt a lot of farms are growing that. And as a simple feed budget, to me, that was always the figure and, and it will be the figure, you know, you know, are you growing the grass to feed the stocking rate you have? Like people are looking at other issues and nitrates come in, there's other challenges come in. But if you look at before all these challenges came in the last couple of years, or they're always there, but maybe more highlighted, you know, are you growing enough grass to sustain the stocking rate you have? And is it financially sustainable then at that stage? And and let's, uh, I suppose, go down that route a little bit further because I was going to pick up on it anyway. You'd mentioned, you know, this grass-based system that we have, Richie. But, you know, you're talking about five and a half um, tons of grass grown per cow. Um, and and I suppose if we're really blunt about it, there aren't enough farmers who can tell you exactly how much they're growing. And, you know, it's milking platform and the whole farm stocking rate when you talk about every acre. But um, I mean, to you, Joe, um, for farmers who don't have the answer to that, obviously, I mean, the, 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 the obvious thing is measure grass. But. I suppose look at that farmer who's who's stocked at two point five cows per hectare, um, and they're maybe growing eleven, twelve tons of grass consistently. You know, where are you at in terms of how much of that two point five cows per hectare is being fed from homegrown feed, and you know what? How many cows are you feeding from supplement uh, purchased into the farm? It's a good question, Emma Louise. And, you know, I think we have to have this discussion, that very discussion, you know, maybe some of the issues in terms of changes to legislation is bringing this conversation to the surface now. But I would say that conversation and those calculations have to be had independent almost of the issue of, you know, nitrates limits, because that's fundamentally a question of the economic balance for the farm if you get me that that question should be answered first and foremost anyway so like what has happened really and maybe i know richie you mentioned about you know this scale uh sorry efficiency before scale but un- unfortunately and we're all probably we, we might all be guilty of this somehow scale is more exciting or at least was more exciting at, at the time like you know we've seen this so many times over the years where you go out onto a farm maybe a new entrant or someone that wants to increase their um their, 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 their herd size, Emma Louise, and you try to talk about soil fertility, getting the gr- grass right and talk about the cow type and all the rest of it, where a lot of the time the initial point of contact was always around where does the parallel go with many units and what size of a shed or whatever it might be. So and, and that's not being and that's not being dismissive in any way. That's just the reality. The natural thing is to talk about the number of cows first and worry about the efficiency after. And that, that's just probably human nature, really. But anyway, back to the question. The, the, so what are they getting? So two and a half stocked and maybe grown 11 tons. In those situations, what the answer to that has always been and how that evolved over time, maybe if people had ramped up stocking rate was what happened really was that obviously what used to be cut for silage on the grazing block is not cut for silage any longer. More and more of that area is required for grazing through the year. And suddenly there's a hole in the feed budget and the feed budget, the hole in that feed budget is a silage issue. So the the, the error, if you like, or the the the, diff, the imbalance in the system is manifested in the silage pit, really. So that's why you're tight for silage. Rent and ground was always the solution there on Conacre and all the rest of it. But as the costs of you know, the cost of fertilizer, the cost of rental land, the cost of contractor and 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 fuel, etc., has gone up. We're now seeing that 
you know, it's not uncommon to do the sums on, on silage and it's costing over to 20, 240 uh, euros a tonne dry matter, which is what we used to be paying 10 years ago for concentrate, Richie. Yeah. yeah. So so your winter feed now for it's become more expensive to be overstocked, um, Louise, is the point. OK, so like if 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 silage was available at 10 cent a kilo or 12 cent a kilo cash cost, the overstocking issue is not as big a deal for the economics of the farm, if you get me. So really what we're saying now is the hole is there, but it's a more expensive hole to fill. And that's that's when the, the economics of high, of being overstocked become quite tricky, actually. The, the feed cost, the, de- the feed cost deficits are now, you know, much more expensive to fill than they used to be. And that becomes an issue that people have to be really, um, be really key. So short answer to, maybe a short answer to follow or a short point on that, if you're stocked or if, if it's five and a half ton uh, and you're stocked at 2.5, like 2.5, you, you need um, close to 15 tons grown. If you're grown 11, you're four ton per hectare short, which is four ton per hectare on a 50 hectare block is that's 200. That's about 200 tons, which is a thousand ton of silage. That's a big hole. And I suppose you're if you're looking at it in pure terms, four ton is almost your grass allocation for one cow. Yeah, yeah. You're almost a, like at, at eleven ton grown two two cows per hectare whole farm is where it's at, and maybe just one final point not to labour it, but you know we've talked a lot to people at, uh, lately about maybe that have issues with nitrates or whatever, and they've been buying silage on the stem and maybe doing that kind of stuff. When you add up the area that they need of silage external to the land block, and you, if you factor that into the stock and rate calculations, a lot of farms end up coming out at about two point one effective stock and rate. If we put it back to you, Richie, you know, as it, you've put numbers on it that, you know, that I suppose target that you, you would have looked at of maybe the 15 tonnes, uh, 5.5 tonnes of grass grown and 800 kilos a meal. I suppose that's a very standard uh, figure for meal per cow, um, you know, presently. I suppose what is the system, um, you know, the most fit for purpose system you would see for an Irish farmer? I mean, if we take a step back, you know, if there was one best system, we'd all be doing the same thing and there'd be a standard blueprint we'd all follow. But in your opinion, what is the best system? Well, the best system is is exactly what we're talking about there for the last while. Match your stocking rate to the grass grown. And if you look at the new banding system there now, uh, just take the middle band, your stocking rate is going to be somewhere around 2.3, 2.4, doing well, growing 13 tonnes of grass. Now, if you're not growing that level of grass, then you have to come down come down from that level uh, and producing uh, I, I I can't emphasize this enough is that genetic potential of the animals and if I look at herds that are producing up to 600 kilograms of milk solids mainly through grass and through genetics and compact calving dates that's the system that we'd need to be looking at like there's a lot of herds out there now uh, I go back to that group where I dealt with in 2011. Like their average milk solids at this stage are up at 550 kilograms in milk solids per cow and mainly true grass, about 800 kilograms a meal and profitable systems. Uh, the other one there is if you look at the, the feed costs, how feed costs, those direct feed costs, I know Pat Gowing uses feed fertilizer and contractor as the direct feed costs uh, associated. But like, they're up around 40, 40, 40, 40 to 44% of overall costs now. Like when I go back to that 2011 period, they were around 30% of overall costs. 
And, you know, if you look at those three costs, feed, fertilizer, and contractor, like if they're starting to hit, and if you just look at those alone, if they're starting to hit over 50% of overall cost, then you have to look at the system and say, what exactly is wrong with my system? Um, is there too much input? Is there something gone wrong? Uh, is there too many moving parts? From the time the cow goes out to graze the grass or get milk into the tank, is there too many moving parts? Uh, is there too much machines involved uh, to get that milk into the tank? And you have to look at that system. Uh, I can't overemphasize again, the other side of this is the financial analysis. Like there's, you asked Emma Louise about the system and people, that's a very simple system, 800, five, 800 kilos a meal, 550, you know, about 2.3 stock and rate, uh, you know, grass-based, you know, very you know, very few moving parts to get that. But but a lot of people then have, you know, different versions of that. But, you know, you look at that, you need to analyze exactly what you're at and financially analyze what you're at. Uh, for yourself, be that through Chagas with Profit Monitor or Cost Control Planners or talking to your accountant. Like, it, you know, and they, they were the challenges back then, back in, in, in 10 years ago when we were getting in, abolition of quotas the challenges now are different but we still need to analyze that and do a financial analysis of the farm and people come into us here in Kilkenny and Waterford and they're talking about you know the challenges and giving out about regulations and that I accept the frustration where farmers have worked extremely hard and to build their businesses to to a a very large degree and and you know in fairness they've they've taken this challenge and in fairness to lads, they work very hard there and now they feel a bit disgruntled because of the, the new regulations. But maybe that's, as I said, over a 50-year period, there's always been there's always been uh, problems, there's always been issues out there. So uh, maybe it's a time now to step back and just look at the farm business. Do a fa- financial analysis of your farm business. Where am I at? Where am I going in the next number of years with the new uh, with the new challenges out there? And they are challenges. Let's let's just call a spade a spade. These are challenges on, on every farm there. They're going to curtail. Stock and rate is going to be curtailed. And what effect does that have on my farm? Is it for the worse? Is it for the better? And there will be a mixture of those uh, out there. To you, Joe, I mean, you've both mentioned, say, the cow genetics. Um, Richie mentions that there are some farmers who are I, I guess you know seasoned they they're well established um maybe consolidated in terms of cow numbers and and the stage their herd is at but maybe two or three key focus areas where farmers are winning and losing and achieving that 550 kilo um kilos of milk solids type production one of the things Emma louise on that i think you know i, I often said this that somebody who started into milk you know, a new entrant in 2017, 18, 19. It was the best time ever to start into milk production because a lot of the heavy lifting had been done on the genetics by other people. So if you went out in that, at that stage and bought correctly, and we've often seen this, and maybe Rich, you might comment too, that people that started into milk for the first time, if they made one good decision of buying the right genetics, they leapfrogged the national average by a long way. And suddenly, and it's not uncommon to see that the best performing farms now have only been milking cows less than 10 years. And that's, you know, that's a great thing to see. It could be a frustrating thing to see if you've been, you know, using, if you've been milking for 30 years and suddenly 
somebody down the road from you comes in and they're coming way ahead of you and they're they're um they're only in the job five years. The reason for it is the genetics that was this the only trick there was to leapfrog you in genetics. So I wouldn't be disgruntled about that. I would be looking at if that was in if that was my situation, you'd be saying, well, learn a lesson from that and see that there's something in this thing from a genetics point of view that somebody that never milked cows before can suddenly be top of the pops from a from a for solids and a fertility and a cell kind point of view through genetics, which is a big it's a big learning. I think we learned an awful lot about the capacity of cows by 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 that. That's what that's a big one. A second one, Emily, is in terms of just this. I know Richie alluded to it there around the the the, the stock and rate question. You know, it's it has been said to us a lot, and I think more people need to be doing more people need to be doing financial analysis of their own system. We have 12, 1300 profit monitors done a year. You'd like to see more than that because you get to learn an awful lot about your own farm by looking at your own figures and they're for yourself really. But one of the common things that has come back to us like over the last um, couple of years is my feed cost has gone from sort of four centiliter up to eight centiliter. How, and I don't feel that I'm really farming any different. I think I'm getting better at grass but my feed cost has gone from four cent to eight or nine cent a liter. How is that possible? Right. And like a big part of that is that the stock and rate question that we've breached the stock and rate limit from a, from a feed efficiency point of view. And now we're buying more, we're buying more silage, possibly more maize silage, more grass silage and more concentrate as well. The marginal, the cows that are on the overstocked element, the individual cow, if you added it up, their feed cost could be 25, 26 centiliter for feed alone for these extra animals, which sounds outrageous. But if you count it up, we're buying in, Richie, aren't we? We're buying in five, five and a half ton of forage effectively for that animal, exactly. yeah. which is which is 12 or 1300 euros a cow. And you put another bit of concentrate on top of it is you're up to 17 and 1800 euros a cow. Dividing that across your sort of average production, it brings the cost of feed for the extra cows could be up as 25, 26 centiliter. So if you have enough of them in the herd, Louise, you end up that your feed cost suddenly goes from four cent up to eight or nine cents without even, and you don't feel that you're marginally, you don't feel that you're have, you've changed numbers that much, but 20% cow numbers would do that to you. So recognizing that from a cost perspective, you know, there's no point in arguing or no point in, in trying to say that I want to have a very, very low cost system if the system is overstocked. It, it's impossible to do it. Right. So we have seen your, your point about the, the performance question. We've seen it on a couple of farms. I know it has been mentioned this year on the podcast a few times, but it's it needs to be said again um, that removing the passenger animals from the herd um, creates space and creates opportunity for the remaining cows in the herd that we get to the point where we're optimally stopped. You could add 20 kilos of solids per cow by getting rid of the passengers. So this is not about reducing it's not about reducing herd size or about you know dropping production. It's really about matching the cow numbers to what's what the farm is capable of carrying. And when that happens, I think performance per cow and per, per and per hectare uh, can be can be protected. The other final one I would say, and it's one that we've seen a lot on herds over the years, the effect that the the the, the management of fertility can have is massive so we always have a situation maybe in farms where we start out trying to make changes that we have a long calving interval and maybe 15 16 18 20 percent of the herd empty year on year in a way it feels like we should continue with that to hold the herd together but oftentimes 
putting in strict criteria and strict rules around fertility that if you end up with 20% empty in a year, that they're actually culled and replaced with a better genetic potential heifer. It's a, it's painful in the short term, but I'd say over a four or five year period, it pays off in a big way. A lot of our discussion today uh, forms some of the basis to, to um, I suppose, tackle the challenges um, that we've documented and, and look at how we can um, build our own farm systems and become more resilient to ongoing challenges and new challenges that will come down the line. Um, you know, the Dairy Conference will take place on Wednesday, the 29th of November um, at the Lyrath in Kilkenny. Can you give us a brief um, insight into what we can expect to see on the day? Really, um, um, Louise, and it's something we're, we're very keen and, and conscious of is it's it's really a, we want it to be a day or a, a, a positive day for people that are actually in, in the business of milk and cows. So the, the, the farmer audience is critically important to us. It's 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 really where we want to where we want to get to. So like look at conferences can be can be a long day for 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 everybody really um and maybe for, for some of our for our audience that might be used to doing uh do doing other types of work they might say gee I'm not sitting for the whole the whole day listening to 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 presentation after presentation so to take that in mind we have sort of split it up a bit that we do have sort of two 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 strong presentations or two strong areas in the morning which is on that area of costs and we have we have david becker from from red sky agri in australia um a consultant so david's coming over to give his perspective on just that question of you know costs in pasture based systems from you know from south america from australia new zealand south africa and in ireland as well so that'll be an interesting discussion around that whole thing we're after talking about how how costs can accelerate depending on the the balance of stock and rate and, and feed in a, in a in a system that's that's in that's a strong part of the the morning the labor challenges on dairy farms we have a session on that too so That'll be led with 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 Marion Beecher. Um, will 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 lead off with some of the new research work there. Uh, Brendan Joyce and, and John Whelan, two dairy farmers, will join us for that. So they they have very strong uh, perspectives on on how to how to get the best out of labour on farms. So the farmer the farmer voice very important in 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 that session as well. Um, that's the morning session. I suppose I should mention also, obviously, that we our conference will be opened by by the minister. So Minister McConnellog will um will 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 come along to to open the the event and give a, a just a perspective maybe into the longer term as a, as a starting point for for the conference, which would be which would be very interesting to hear. So. I mentioned about maybe not killing people with um with with too many presentations and and to keep that in mind the afternoon session and Louise were breaking for a series of workshops we have interactive workshops at that point where the crowd will break into smaller groups and maybe go to more of a a discussion sort of Q&A type uh, situation so we have six workshops and people can choose from can choose three of them so the workshops would be on you know your grazing tactics so how to get your grazing right for spring 24 and brendan horn will lead off on that one uh cell count so a cell count of 100 in the first 100 days so pablo uh silva and don crowley will will present on on that one not just this is not just on selective dry cow but more so on just the management post calving and what can be done at that point uh, the whole question of nitrogen weighs heavy on people's minds. So um D- David Wall and Mike Egan will give some some tips and some 
ideas around getting the most out of your nitrogen. That's another workshop. We have a, sto- a, a stocking rate workshop with, with Michael O'Donovan, Pat Moylan and Donald Patton is in that one. So that whole question again about blocks and how you put those in, that's number four. 10 times a week milking, maybe back to Richie's points on, on labor. Can we get away with, or can we build a system where we milk, we, we milk 10 times a week. So there's four evenings a week where there's no milking, not for everybody, but for a lot of people under pressure with labor, it's an option. And we want to have a good discussion on that. So Aidan Ahern, a dairy farmer in, in Waterford will, will, will join us for that one with Emer and with Emer Kennedy and Martina Gormley. And finally, then just on slurry storage and slurry handling, slurry treatments, additives, the, the scale of storage required. Uh, Pat Tui and will, William Burchell will, will, will present on, on that. There's a lot in all that, Emma Louise. There's six of them there. You'll be picking three. Hopefully, people will be grumbling about that they didn't get to the other three. That it's a, it's a, it's a, that would be a sign of uh, a sign of success, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and we're hoping for a good discussion. And so, if there's something on your mind or there's a question that you really you feel or a, a, an opinion one you want voiced on any of those issues, we'd be happy to 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 to, to see you come along and 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 get get involved in the in in the debate. So there's um there, there's a nice bit in that. So it is as I said, it's the 29th in um in the Lyrat. So kicking off from about a quarter past half nine for, for registration. And then we'd be hoping to have the minister um, beginning his address at around around a quarter to 10 or so. And the day will take care of itself after that. And we'll give you the dinner as well. So the, the booking in, obviously, then Richie's on the on the website, isn't it? So the details on that is on the is up on the web on the Chagas website. So there are links going around for that. So um, we'd encourage people to, to to take a look through the link and just book in online is the, is the easiest way to do it. At this point, we are, I suppose, two weeks away and yeah. uh, particularly important for the, the afternoon sessions that the morning will be common with the presentations. But for the, the afternoon workshops, I mean, to to um, make sure that you're into the workshop that you want to get to. Um, I suppose registration is important. All roads uh, lead to Kilkenny, Richie. So we'll leave the final word to you. Yeah, no, everybody would be very, very welcome to Kilkenny on the 29th. And I think it's a great opportunity for discussion groups and groups uh, to get together. There's lots of information. I think Joe's gone through the workshops. I think that format works extremely well for people to interact with the speakers. Uh, the session, there's two sessions in the morning. But also to look at this as a social day out. It's a, it's a chance to catch up with other peep farmers right across the country on the day. Have the chat. There's there's dinner time. There's going to be loads of tea time. And during the workshops, there'll be ch- chances to have that chat with people. So that whole social uh, thing as well. And I would encourage discussion groups uh, to take take this opportunity to come to Kenny, even stay the night before or stay the night after and, and take the opportunity as your discussion group Um uh, break away in the back end in the back end of the year and uh, not for people to forget that uh, they're coming to the, the real home of hurling uh, M. Louise especially for you uh, for the for a couple of days I'll re- refrain from a comment on that Richie but um, we're looking forward to it thank you Joe and thank you Richie thanks very much thank you thank you that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Richie O'Brien and Joe Patton for joining me on this week's show Don't forget to rate, review and listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.